everyone, welcome back to the Daily Blend Show with me, Reed Daily. Today is actually Saturday, the 21st of January. I was traveling this week and wasn't able to get back in time to record the show. But uh, those are the breaks of recording on the internet. So if you're new around here, each week on the Friday Top 5 segment, we feature five things uh, that we thought were interesting, notable, or culturally significant. This week, we are showcasing stories from the latest of LVMH's Watch Week, how to shoot better iPhone pictures thanks to Greg Williams, Pete Tong launches a DJ Academy, Sticking with that DJ theme, we talk about how mixed in key can actually help you prepare and execute your DJ sets more flawlessly. And then we're going to do a local feature on The Whistler. And of course, I discuss this week in sneakers. Before we jump into the episode, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to the show on Twitter, Instagram. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and now YouTube. And on YouTube, it's at Daily Blend. Uh, with all that said, let's jump into the episode. I've been a fan of watches ever since I can remember uh, years, years back when I was a little kid. I think I was in like fourth or fifth grade. My parents gave me a fossil chronograph and I absolutely adored looking at this watch, wearing this watch. And unfortunately, I played in it. I, I ran in it and I think it just like sort of fell apart. You know, I didn't do anything like mischievous or or, you know, to, to, to break it, but it just like broke. And uh, I, th- I think at the time they were like 100 or $200 and I did not get a replacement one. And I was very sad about that. Uh, <laughs> I think that imprinted on me if I'm looking back at it. But uh, yeah, uh, over the years I've been able to, uh, you know, purchase uh, my own watches. I've gotten gifts as watches. And I'll never forget the first time I saw a Panerai with a display back. And I think at the time I kept on calling it an expose back and no one knew what I was talking about but uh, yeah since I saw my first Panerai 112 display back and they were one of the first doing that sort of display back uh, I've been absolutely hooked with the high-end world of horology uh, looking back at you know the last 10 or 15 years the watch world is is dramatically changed and so what used to happen is there was one or two large shows and uh, I believe it was called Watch Week or Watch and Wonders. I, I don't remember the exact, or no, Basel World. And then there was a second conference like two weeks later, but either at the same venue or a similar venue. Oh, no, no, no. Now I'm remembering. So there was SIHH, which was the Salon International de Horology, and I'm totally not getting that 100% right. And then like two weeks later, there was Basel World, which was much more of a large trade show, whereas the SIHH was these like small, beautiful boutiques. You had um, different watch groups kind of showing, uh, you know, their their products at, at both shows, whereas, you know, the, the latter with the big trade shows was Patek Philippe, Rolex, uh, Tag, which is part of the Rolex brand, I believe Breitling. I mean, just like these massive you know, showings of watches. Well, uh, the the increased cost from that show for the 
folks that are trying to, you know, the brands that were um, buying these large booths that they had to build out uh, just kept on going up and up. And I think watch brands sort of said, you know, what value are you bringing for this increased cost? And then you add the fact that we had the global pandemic and you you put the third sort of piece of the puzzle of the fact that, you know, brands are using social media and the world is using social media to show these brands and their exquisite uh, new timepieces. So over the last couple of years, it seems like the big shows or watch shows are sort of a thing of the past, not to say that they won't do them, but they're not going to be these massive, uh, you know, big markets. You know, I kind of compare it to like what I've seen down in Atlanta at the America's Mark with these gigantic showrooms. And uh, they've also seen some consolidations with watch brands. So you've got the Richemont Group, you've got LVMH, uh, and there's a few others. And what I've really enjoyed with LVMH, and while they do have many watch brands, uh, such as Hublot, Tag Heuer, Zenith, Bulgari, and, and a few others, for me, as, as sort of the core consumer of watch watches that are meant to be timepieces, meant to be instruments for, you know, calculating sort of activities, uh, and then, you know, sort of more like rugged, if you will. Uh, there's really three lines in the LVMH watch group that, that I really like. So tag at the sort of bottom or, or entry level, Zenith in the middle, and then Hublot or Hublot, if you're an American at the top and uh, tag doesn't really do it for me. Although I do love the Carrera line. That's always been a big fan of mine. And if someone wanted to help me find a Monaco for a reasonable price, like a Bamford edition, I'd be obviously thrilled for that watch. And then Hublot, while I do love the Big Bang, I don't necessarily love the negative connotation with the, uh, you know, stigma around the brand of who is the core consumer. But Zenith is something that is more interesting to me. So the brand has had a bit of a rebirth of the last uh, four or five years. And I think a lot of that has to do with the CEO, uh, Julian Tornar, and I believe I'm pronouncing his name correctly, but, um, you know, his background was with Raymond Wells in Geneva as a sales manager, spending 17 years at Vacheron Constantine uh, in various roles from president of North America to international sales director to Asian Pacific managing director, and then becoming the president CEO of uh, LVMH. As uh, uh, Zenith brand, and just from watching on the the um, YouTube videos, it, it appears that he's definitely been uh, schooled or mentored, if you will, by Jean Claude Biver, who started uh, Hublot and then sold it to LVMH. Anyway, Zenith has some really interesting, uh, you know, movements and uh, history. I think most notably. They've got the El Premier movement, which is one of the more powerful movements. Their movement in the past had powered the Daytona. And over the last couple of years, they've come out with really, I will say, three watches or three watch lines that really appeal to me as a consumer. 
The first is their uh, Defy line, which, you know, arguably is the closest thing to sister brand Hublot. And it's, it's this gigantic, um, you know, kind of like big, um, you know, not, not gaudy, but it's, it's a bigger watch for a bigger wrist. And it looks like a perfect, you know, weekend or summer watch. And I like it. I don't know if I necessarily spend the money on it, but I appreciate that they've gone and done a little more emphasis on these sporty watches, but, uh, the, the movement is still the, the king of the show. The next is they've gotten, uh, into their chronograph and they basically, it looks in my opinion, very similar to a Rolex Daytona. They've, instead of, uh, the same sort of, uh, you know, singular color on the sub dials, they've got three different colors and it's powered by the El Primero movement. It looks fantastic. Price point is roughly $10,000 when I last looked. And then they've gotten the Defy Skyline, which is by far my favorite uh, watch, which is very similar to the Gerald Jantar Rolex, or not Rolex, sorry, uh, Royal Oak. The key difference is in the, you know, they've got a subhand for a 10 second uh, movement. So the, the subhand moves in every 10 seconds. They've got this fantastic um, perforated uh, looking, you know, face, and it's really a bunch of stars, which is the Zenith logo. And then they've got this de deployable bracelet, which you don't see in a ton of brands. I've seen it mostly with Cartier, and it switches out from a rubber to a, you know, a metal bracelet or integrated bracelet. I was meant to just give you a little bit of background on the watches. Uh, back to kind of the story at hand. So as I said, LVMH was hosting their uh, watch week this week in Singapore. They've been doing a rotation of where they host their watch week. And it was great to see them land in Singapore, mostly because Waco of the Rake and Revolution. The Rake is a men's magazine that we've uh, talked about on this show a number of times. And then Revolution is a watch magazine and website uh, was there. He's a Singapore resident and he was there very much to, to host and sort of curate some fantastic videos, uh, one of which was with the CEO. And so we got a first glimpse into a few of the newer watches. The, the two that I want to highlight are the Skeleton so it's the, um, the, the Defy Skyline Skeleton. So this is a fantastic looking watch. They've actually moved the uh, secondhand register from the left-hand side. So at the, the nine o'clock uh, sort of alignment down to the six o'clock. And I actually feel like on the skeleton, it just, it feels like this is the obvious uh, only place that that could go. Whereas on the original sort of Defy Skyline where you saw that, on the you know sort of placement on the nine o'clock area of the watch uh, or aligned with nine o'clock it just looked better i don't think it would look as good on the six although i kind of want to see it now uh down at the six but anyway the the skeleton watch looks great you can see the modified el primero movement uh as i mentioned it's got a deployable cl clasp so they've got it in two different colorways they've got it in um you know the uh, the steel with the blue and obviously you can get the the rubber the blue rubber band 
and then they've got the steel with the black so the inner skeleton workings is more of a black color than the blue and then you would get the corresponding uh, black band and then they've got they've they've done something really interesting they've taken the um, defy skyline uh, that I loved and they've made it to a uh, 36 millimeter. So you could argue it fits some men's watches, obviously many watches for, for you know, 50 years were 36 millimeters. And obviously females are taking liking to a little bigger of a, a stance of a watch. So you could assume that this watch was made for, you know, both men and women, but likely targeting women. <clears throat> so uh, go check out uh, Zenith uh, watches. I believe it's uh, Zenith dash watches, but we've got it linked in the uh, show notes uh, on dailyblend.com. And, uh, you know, look through some of these watches. Uh, the price points are, you know, they're not entry level of one or $2,000. They're a little more than that, but they're not in the twenties or thirties. And they, they put out a fantastic product. I've gone to uh, the local boutiques here in uh, Highland Park, and I've gotten the chance to try them on, and they just feel great. Obviously, I haven't tried on the, the latest ones that have come out, but the uh, the El Primero movement looks fantastic. It's beautiful. Um, the Skyline line is just fantastic on the wrist, and I highly recommend it for anyone looking for their next timepiece. Moving from watches, we're going to go into consumer electronics with Greg Williams. So a little bit about Greg Williams. He's one of the most trusted photographers in entertainment. Greg has always loved shooting on his phone, but missed the sort of ergonomic grip and shutter of a camera. Hence the design of the G grip, which is the story and the feature for this uh, second piece of the uh, Friday top five. The idea here is that the G grip comes with a two, three millimeter single use adhesive back plates, which will adhere to smooth, non-textured, non-porous flat surfaces, AKA put them on your iPhone and not, uh, uh, you know, a case is what we, uh, is what they're saying. Or if you're going to do it a hard plastic or leather, but you know, don't, you're not switching these things in and out. And so essentially you've got this little adhesive piece that you put on the backside of your iPhone and you can hold it either horizontally or vertically, whatever your uh, opinion or prefer, uh, not opinion, but your, your preferred method. And there is sort of an action with your hand or your finger that would be very similar to that of you know taking a picture with a traditional mirrorless or film camera and i think it's really just helpful from a you know a shooter standpoint uh, visually of just how they're doing it i think it's easier to do than trying to take a, a finger picture but obviously you know it's it's not you know people are taking pictures with their cameras every day i think this is just a little easier if you want to be a little more deliberate uh, with shooting and using this as your primary uh, camera. What's interesting to me is I did a little bit of research on both Greg and this camera system last weekend. And in the time that uh, I'm recording this show, so roughly seven days later, I've probably been pushed, I'd say, six different ads for different permutations of this sort of same setup where there's some button action and connection that would integrate with the camera. Now with Greg's, I mean, it's not cheap. I think it's retailing for 40 or $60. 
The other solution that I saw, and then I don't remember the name of, uses the MagSafe system, so the, the magnets on the back of the iPhone. It allows you to actually connect a kind of components, and there's more than one. You've got, you know, I saw one where it was the same sort of grip uh, method with a, you know, a camera button that would integrate with your Bluetooth. And then there was one that, you know, that same piece had like a stand component and then a, you know, a, a light. So you could have all three components and they're all magnetic. So there's definitely an ecosystem of accessories that would work with the iPhone. And, um, you know, now that I'm seeing this one and getting pushed others, I'm going to try one or two of them. I'm probably um, going to do that over the next couple weeks only because I've got some travel coming up and I want to be able to shoot pictures while I'm on the road. So, you know, I'll give you guys some updates on future shows of how I like these different products. And I'll maybe try to do like a, a loop back on either the weekly rundown or maybe I'll do a special edition where we're doing like just tech review or product reviews since I seem to, you know, talk about them. And I end up actually going out and getting these products and using them, but I don't maybe necessarily circle back and say, hey, here was my user experience. So I'm writing that down as sort of an, a takeaway from this week's episode. And uh, we'll be sure to start commenting and sort of giving almost like light product reviews. So moving from consumer electronics, we're jumping into Pete Tong and his DJ Academy. So a little bit about Pete Tong. He has been the go-to guy in dance music thanks to his BBC Radio 1 show or shows, I should say. Uh, he also has uh, IMS Ibiza, which is basically a show where they come together and talk about the state of DJing. Uh, he's done it in other markets, I believe, over the years, but the biggest one seems to always be in Ibiza, where he's bringing top DJ talent, and it's kind of like a state of the industry. Well, it looks like you know Pete hasn't uh, let COVID slow him down and his desire to sort of push the world of DJing forward. And I really respect this as someone who's you know loved DJing for the last you know, 20 years of my life. And I, I do think there's always ways for like people to get inspired and learn new tips and tricks on legacy technology as well as the new tech and the new associated hardware. In terms of the the teachers, if you will, you've got obviously Pete Tong, you've got Carl Cox, Jamie Jones, Nicole Mulbader, and I always pronounce her name wrong, and a few others. And in terms of the, the, the courses, I actually really like how he's done it. He's got sort of a beginner uh, selection and then an advanced selection, and that obviously is pretty straightforward. But the course material talks about just general bios and backgrounds of each one of their DJs. Uh, that, that's going to be a professor. And it talks about the perfect setup, so it's, you know, DJ booth, deck focus, mixer focus, crossfaders, headphones, so it's just a good primer. Then it's uh, learning to mix, which is really understanding you know, the different phases of BPMs, learning how to beat count. Uh, I guess no one wanted to say just use sync. Uh, <laughs> tracking uh, track structure and how to read it, uh, phase alignment, uh, mixing with volumes, mixing with EQ, and then it goes into advanced mixing, which is things that are that are more important, like hot cues, how to mix in key, you know, building a flow, and then it goes on to you know the dish, different uh, teachers, DJ setups. 
and kind of the network DJ etiquette in the industry. And then there is a final exam. Didn't really see that one coming. But uh, hey, I think it's pretty cool that uh, Pete's actually gone out and set this up. The full course is $347. The advanced only is $297. You know, you get access to the talent pool. You get three months of Beatport streaming, which is actually pretty cool. You get to see the teacher's record box, which obviously this is a defined time period. But, uh, you know, it's kind of cool to see what these artists are, are playing with. You'll get uh, some promo tools and a diploma, which I don't know if you really care about. And then I've seen more recently that uh, Pete's been uh, able to feature some of these artists or, or students on Apple Music. And so Apple Music's doing some uh, DJ sets. My guess is that there's like defined track lists that you can play, but I could be wrong there, only because they have to do the, 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 the streaming kind of uh, approvals, but uh, you know, it's there are a few companies that are out there that are doing this sort of uh, you know online courses. My guess is this this idea came while he was in COVID. Just from a timing perspective, it seems like something that you know would have taken a couple years to develop and get everyone to to be in a single place and to build the the technology and framework. So hats off to Pete and team uh, for putting this together. Uh, I'm thrilled to see this. And uh, if I can find a little bit of time, I might take a class too. I always like learning things. I don't care how good you are. You can always pick up a few tips and tricks. And so I'm a big fan of e-learning and uh, the fact that I can marry that with my own interest in the, uh, the DJ world is just an added plus. So uh, go check it out. We've obviously linked to the materials uh, for the DJ Academy on dailyblend.com. And let me know what you think of the course. So if you've been following the show over the last, I would say, six weeks, you'll know or notice that walking into the holiday season, I sort of ramp up my interest in in creative endeavors. And I've talked about this, I think, both on the Friday Top 5, but definitely on the weekly rundown. You know, I always find that during the Christmas or holiday break, rather said, I have a little bit of free time and I like to do things like uh, digital art creation, physical art creation, music production, DJ sets, and finding different ways to sort of do that, you know, different tools, different techniques. And that's a combination of individual experimentation as well as looking what others are doing. And, uh, you know, I think 20 years ago, I'd go down to record stores and you know, art stores and sort of ask questions. And now, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to think about it, a lot of that is just, you know, Google searching and watching YouTube videos and seeing what others are doing. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit that it's, you know, I've known about mixing in key for a number of years. And I've known that it makes it easier, it makes it harmonically better sounding, but I haven't bothered to really pay attention to it or learn it. And so I finally was like, all right, this is dumb. I know this is actually going to make my mixes sound better and, you know, make just my life easier. And the software, for the most part, actually gives you the mixing key, although there is mix in key software on top of what I'm using, which is mostly Tractor these days. And I found this funny guy on the Internet named Nick Spinelli, who I believe is like a wedding kind of corporate DJ and does a great job of, of that. I've seen some of his YouTube stuff, but 
but he's also just like a DJ reviewer. I'd put him in the same bucket I put like Cleveland Terry, uh, and I don't think that's like a, you know, I think that's probably a very accurate description. And he did this great video on how to mix in key, and the best thing was he's got this, He's I think he's a Jersey guy, um, but he's got this funny picture of himself just in the middle of the mix and key with a, a really angry face, although he seems just like a passionate New Jersey guy, not an angry New Jersey guy. But, um, you know, Nick, I watched your video a couple times and it was like really straightforward in terms of the the uh, the wheel. And his kind of concept is he's he typically will not jump back too many steps, but typically just progresses forward in the the wheel and the idea is that as you move forward from like 1a to 2a to 3a you know it, it just harmonically sounds better and there's like a natural progression from a an, an auditorial and an emotional you know feeling from the consumer or the people on the dance floor if you will uh anyway uh i, I linked nick's video on the proper way to mix and key and you know it's funny to me i've probably put out 200 mixes i never really bothered to mix and key or learn that and you know i always could tell like that my mixes were better when they were all in the same key range and and i'd paid attention to it but not like been deliberate and after watching this video i think i watched it twice i went and did some prep and and really put together uh vignettes of songs that were both like sonically uh you know that 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 felt the same obviously that were in the same sort of key range so uh, i think i did all like 12 uh you know 10 11 and 12 uh, a songs so they kind of all sounded sonically together and then I did a second mix that was like one two one a two a and three a so those sort of all sounded sonically uh you know uh accurate or or complementary and the mixes just came out so much better and i was just like why haven't i been doing this so uh i'm gonna look at this video as my rebirth into mixing uh, within key and i'm gonna go look at the difference between just uh, you know, Pioneer Record Box and their key mapping and then, you know, native instruments. And then is it value add to go buy the mixed and key software and and use that from a tagging standpoint? Uh, one of my friends is using it and loves it. I've just got to see if it, the, you know, the, the, the price to buy it is really worth it. And if it, if it works with my workflow, which is jumping from Serato, Record Box and Tractor from time to time, I'd love it too, if it could imprint on the songs that I bring into um, Ableton. I'm not sure if I can do that, but got to go figure that out. So Nick, uh, hats off to you and your videos. They are really uh, good. I'm always impressed with them. And uh, once again, go check it out. I think he does a nice job. So everyone writes down goals for the new year and mine are a little different than in years past. One of the things that I wanted to do was be more deliberate about exploring Chicago and uh, Milwaukee because I sit in both in between both cities. Chicago is probably more aligned to just home just because it's easier for me to get on trains. I've got more friends and kind of more reasons to be down in Chicago, but but it's really just a to, if I was going to distill it, it's 
to be more connected and understand my local community. The second is to be more deliberate about planning and executing trips. But uh, today we're just talking about local, uh, you know, kind of uh, neighborhood, kind of community, understanding your city, knowing your city. And uh, one of them is the Whistler Bar. So the Whistler Bar is a gallery record label and uh, you know venue that hosts live music and DJs. Uh, their award-winning cocktail program features an always-changing menu of classic contemporary favorites and Whistler originals. Our stage hosts an eclectic mix of jazz, DJs, electronic music, film screening, reading, and other artist endeavors. Okay, so how did I get to this of all the other bars. So thanks to Negronis with Greg Greg and then DJ Feel Good Greg. So my two buddies are both Gregs. They when I moved here 7 years ago and was slightly younger and still went out to bars and went into the city a bit more on the weekends. Uh, you know, this was pre-kids for everyone. Uh, the Whistler was always a go-to spot. I think it was one of the first bars in Chicago that was part of the, you know, cocktail craze and moving into, you know, these artisan cocktails and having these really cool menus. It didn't uh, hurt the fact that, uh, you know, DJ Greg Feelgood, who's been featured on the Daily Blend podcast, which is our you know, other show, which is a, you know, monthly music series where we feature DJs from a variety of different uh, genres. And then also myself, uh, it's where I kind of post most of my uh, DJ sets. But anyway, uh, Greg was always DJing there. And so we'd go see him play. He still does, I think, a monthly residence there. And, uh, you know, Whistler has their own Instagram called the Whistler Menu. And it's uh, it's their ever-evolving cocktail menu. And they do photos of the menu on there and uh, show some of the current list of classics, contemporary favorites, and Whistler originals. I don't know why I said that so weird. Uh, anyway, uh, on dailyblend.com i've linked to the uh the whistler menu cocktail instagram obviously linked to the whistler itself and then featured some of the mixes from uh greg that he's done for daily blend over the years uh one of the things i will also highlight is that uh if you do follow me, you know that I'm a big uh, fan of sneakers and we're about to talk about sneakers, but uh, I set up a new Instagram page called Coffee Kicks and Cocktails, and uh, you know, it's really what, what it sounds like. I'm putting a lot of coffee kicks and uh, cocktail uh, features on there, and the uh, latest uh, post is actually of the uh, Whistler Menu cocktail and one of their drinks that I'm going to be trying this weekend as sort of my Saturday drink of choice. And uh, I'll let you know how it tastes on next week's episode. So this is the Friday Top 5, and we've already hit our five-story threshold, if you will. But uh, I've been rounding out most of the shows lately talking about sneaker news, and I was pretty happy. Uh, we're into 2023, and Jordan and Nike, if you will, uh, is still pushing the uh, Jordan 1 craze, and they're doing all sorts of different colors. But this time, they're doing... Uh, the Air Jordan 1 High OG True Blue. And I took a big W on these, and I was really surprised. I thought these would be a, a big hit for people. 
I wear a ton of blue. I wear a ton of gray. It goes with everything that I have in my wardrobe, not everything, but most things. And there was no line. I think they're still available on sneakers and finish line. They look great. I've already gotten them uh, at home and the leather's fantastic, but they're the, the sort of the OG blocking, which is much more of a lot of white on the, the toe box, not the, the front part of the toe and then the heel cover. So they've got this almost like gray suede on the back and then blue in the front. Uh, for me, these match the true blue. Oh, uh, was it true blue Jordan threes that I love and wear all the time. They're probably, I would say my favorite sneaker of all time uh maybe uh, up there but uh yeah excited to wear these i was in boston for we uh, work uh, all this week and uh, i kept on having events and uh, everyone's dressed up and you know i'm dressed up too but i'm wearing jordans and people are like wow you're wearing jordans I'm like yeah but i match my uh, uh you know my uh custom blazer and kind of outfit so you know that's kind of my new thing it's like look i want to be in comfortable shoes i'm walking around a lot I-, I like the ankle support if i'm being honest uh and uh yeah they look great and i'm excited to have another pair so be on the lookout on the coffee and kicks or sorry coffee kicks and cocktails instagram for more content on my true blues and uh, other sneaker content and let me know what you think of that name i was kind of going back and forth between coffee kicks and cocktails and just doing daily blend uh, kicks or daily kicks or even because i'm a consultant consultants and kicks so there was a heavy bit of deliberation still could change but i'm kind of liking the name so let me know in the comments what you think of that instagram name and we'll decide if we keep it or make some changes all right that wraps it up for a little longer of a friday top five once again sorry for being delayed in releasing the show i know most people really like it coming out on fridays pretty consistently and i've been pretty good about that so uh be on the lookout for the weekly rundown that comes out on tuesdays the friday top five as it sounds comes out on fridays and We're doing a bit of planning. I've got a couple guests coming up on the Daily Blend Show Sound Off segment. So you'll be seeing a few more sort of interviews in the coming weeks. Uh, I don't want to disclose too much because sometimes the scheduling of these things does shift. But uh, looking forward to, you know, putting out some really great content of some interesting, you know, owner operators, uh, founders that are doing some some fun things in retail uh, and consumer goods. And uh, I think that a lot of the the folks that listen to this show will appreciate and kind of want to go and explore the brand and, and, you know, get some new gear and learn about some people doing some cool stuff. So thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe to the show on Twitter and Instagram. You can download the show stream it on spotify apple music and youtube and with that said enjoy the rest of your weekend catch you next week